presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Lafia Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRN. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ABF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ABF, and your co-host for this show, and this is Pastor Monty. Good morning. This is Truth Time, and I am Pastor Monty, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Josh, and we are going to be Jumping from Second Thessalonians over to Colossians, and we're going to finish out our our um, uh, what would be called our year, our first half of the year. We're going to be finishing out season four, season four, going into the book of Colossians. And so let's begin by uh, looking at the the Christ factor. So in the book of Colossians, the reason why we're not really going to go back into Thessalonians at this point is because the last three or four verses in Second Thessalonians chapter three, the Apostle Paul is just giving his final salutation, and we don't, you know, we don't need to go through that really. So you know, blessings upon you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, so. There's stuff to glean there, but this isn't a heart scribe, so. Yeah. Okay. So. That being said, um, not being hard scribe and all, um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna jump right into uh, Colossians chapter one. So I was gonna hold off from reading uh, verses one through three um, because it's just uh, a salutation. But uh, being as uh, Pastor Josh likes salutations, I, there's a lot there. We will uh, we will read the salutation as well. All right then. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Uh, you want to stop there and just kind of uh, tear that apart, or, or are we good here? Are you ma- <laughs> you're making fun of me? <laughs> Look, I, if you go to Heartscribe, I spent like two weeks talking about <laughs> <laughs> about just uh, James talking about how he's the brother or how he's a slave of Christ. Mm, yeah. I think you can talk about verse, the fact that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ, even though he didn't. Verse 2. Okay. To God's holy people <laughs> in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace 
and peace from God our Father. A beautiful salutation. Thanksgiving and prayer. We always get, this is the meat, this is a little bit meaty now, and we'll go back through this, because uh, it's meaty and long. We, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and have all of God's, as have all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing amongst you uh, since the day that you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Aphrodite's, our dear fellow Epaphras. servant. Epaphras, sorry about that. Aphrodite, someone, someone else. The goddess of love, yeah. yeah. Epaphras, sorry about that. Um, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, uh, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all of the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the lord and and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of god being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving thanks joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So let's go back and look at that. That's 13 verses. Yep, there's and a lot there. There is a lot there. There's a lot there because um, basically what the Apostle Paul is, uh, first of all, the Apostle Paul has not been to the church at Colossae at this point. So he has, he, uh, has heard, however, of the work that, uh, how they responded to the gospel and how they have taken their response and they have uh, applied the gospel to their lives and they're growing. And he's excited to hear about uh, the faith that they have. And uh, he said this is common to God's people and it should be common to God's people. And uh, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven uh, which uh, which uh, you have all heard that is true of the message of the gospel. You know, I I think my observation is that this is one of the things that many believers, um, how would I put it? They're not they're not overly excited about what about heaven. Mm. They're not excited about. You know the the that we're going to the second coming. We're going to fellowship in the the glory of heaven with God. They're not. They're, I don't. I don't sense that um, in the people that I've talked to and my life as a believer, not too many people are very excited about that. Well, I think that people just uh, don't have a strong eschatology. That's the that's a highfalutin way of saying um, a understanding of the last things yeah i mean part of it and part of it is because many people are confused over it yeah 
<clears throat> and so you know they they want uh, I think the I think that the um, the the ambiguity that surrounds the the specifics of of what uh, of what's going to happen and when it's going to happen a lot of people have difficulty with they would like one as it were sure and that makes that and so they don't get overly excited you know you tell somebody you know wow it's it's just exciting to know that we're going to we're going to uh, spend uh, eternity in the presence of God in the heavens. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. They're not, are not overly excited about right. the whole thing. They don't have a high theology of heaven, yeah, or or the new heaven and new earth, if you really want to get specific. Right, and then in order to understand the, as you said, in order to understand uh, eschatological things, you have to go in and you have to read, and it's it's... Sort of like uh, next to me here, I have a jigsaw puzzle put together of uh, of uh, Star Trek. TOS, so, the original series. Yeah, the original series. Yeah. And, and, and it's, for many people, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, there's little pieces. You have to put together pieces from Revelation. You have to put together pieces from Matthew. You have to go into the Old Testament and, and look at uh, Ezekiel and look at Daniel and look at Daniel yeah. and try to put all these things together. And a lot of believers, they just get a headache over the whole thing. Yeah, they'd rather have it uh, scheduled, cut and dried. Well, and it's to the point that come Jesus Day. So this is this is not a new discussion, um, but come Jesus Day. Even the eschatology of the of the Hebrew people, the Jews, was fractured because you had like the uh, the members of the uh, Sanhedrin, the yes. Sadducees specifically, yes. they didn't believe in a, a resurrection of the dead. Right. So um, even by that time, there was a fractured thought process among God fearers, if you if you will, um, as to what was going to happen when we died. Yeah, and and there's also then the misunderstanding of uh, uh, of the concept of hell. You know, most most people today, if if you uh, if you talk to them and you say, well, are you going to even amongst believers, mm-hmm. if you if you say, you know, can rejoice because we're we're going to be in the presence of God in heaven. And uh, there's no there's no threat of the the believer going to hell, and they're like, yeah, okay, well, hell, that's the final place of torment. And but when you look in scripture, you find out that hell, hell, Hades, the abyss, those are all things which are tied to a place of holding before the lake of fire. Yeah, and that doesn't even factor in a place called. Um, there's a whole bunch of other things but yeah and the lake of fire is generally conflated with the concept of hell right which is gehenna um which is which is another that's like that's actually a physical like in this world location it was like a dump um so yeah 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 and so and so a lot of so when you look at all those different factors a lot of people are um either confused about that or they just don't show a whole lot of excitement so you know if we were to put up a I dare say, uh, if we were to put up a, a sign, you know, like some churches advertise what they're going to be talking about. Yeah. So if we were to try to draw people in, if we were to put up a sign and say, to, uh, you know, come on down Sunday night, we're going to be talking about eschatology. <laughs> it, would, it would just be you and I and the cookies. 
<laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be about it right there. Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't get a large showing for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but the point is, is that when you read uh, when you read the Apostle Paul here, he's excited about that, and he says that as believers, we should be excited too. Well, first first century Christians were excited about it, and I think that's we've kind of swung the pendulum because um, because we've gotten so far away. From, um, we've gotten so far away from our Jewish roots. I, I don't know how else to say that. And we're not, we're by no means Hebrew roots. Like, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, not yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in fact, there are whole divisions of the church to believe that we shouldn't even be talking about the Old Testament. Yeah, but um, but they've got the church itself has gotten so far away from its Jewish roots. Um, where essentially what we have to understand is that the first century believers, that was it. Like they, they were in a time of constant persecution and they were looking specifically for relief. You know, they were looking for a Messiah right. to relieve them of the burdens of this earth. And they believed that they were going to participate in the resurrection like pretty much immediately. And they were waiting for Christ to bring that upon them, you know, to come back on the clouds, as the book of Daniel says. Right. And when that didn't happen, that's when we started to like start to write down these things. Um, and so that was that was the belief system of the church for a long time, even to the point of martyrdom. You had people who were volunteering, like essentially committing suicide. They were volunteering to die um, because they just they believed it was coming so mm, quickly. Right. And as time has progressed past that that time, we've sort of swung the pendulum and lost the idea of the resurrection of the dead and lost the eschatological um, nature of the church over right. time. It's really become something that specialists deal with. Right. It's not really preached anymore. And, and, why, and why it's important is because even though cultures change and our times change, uh, God's word doesn't change. Right. And this is an important element of the life of the believer to understand that that um, and and you would have to go back into uh, for example Corinthians where the apostle Paul uh, gives a, a snippet as it were of an understanding that you know heaven is not going to be a continuation of what we see now mm-hmm. the apostle Paul says in chapter fifteen he says uh, for First uh, Corinthians he says you know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Right. And those who are disciples of Christ, those who are of God's kingdom, are going to be created with new spiritual bodies. The, the bodies that we have right now, these are not the bodies that we are going to have uh, in the presence of God in heaven. And uh, there are other things when you go into uh, when you go into the Old Testament and you look at, uh, specific things like in the in Revelation, it talks about the fact that the the city of Jerusalem will be a thousand miles squared. Right, and we're not sure how much of that is metaphorical. Right, right, but but what we are sure of, be, yeah. For example, um, another peop- thing that people have difficulty with is that it talks about the fact that the the there will be rivers of gold. Right, you know, in Jerusalem, throwing th- flowing through Jerusalem, which will be uh, the capital of of God as He sits on His throne. Um, but 
but we don't know how much of that is actual and how much of that is metaphorical. And we, so it's, it's really outside of our understanding some of these things. And many believers have difficulty grasping those things. And in yet scripture, particularly the apostle Paul is very clear that as believers, we need to be looking forward to that. And we need to be excited about those things. There are things, for example, there are things happening right now in the Middle East that people should be getting excited about. And, and they're, they're not. They're like ho-hum almost. Well, it goes back to our discussion on Thessalonians. Right. And <clears throat> some of the stuff that's being, uh, that has to come into play, you know, Yes, and and so the reason I'm alluding to that is because this is happening right now, right now because the because the uh, Biden administration appears to be weak, Hamas, which is funded by money that we sent over to Iran when the Biden administration came into power, uh, Hamas started attacking Israel again. And there's now they're on the verge of an, an all-out war with Hamas attack, attacking Israel uh, from the Palestinian region, and the and Israel is uh, is fighting back, and that's going on right now. They're talking about possibly a ceasefire, but uh, but two weeks ago, a shipment of arms was intercepted, which was coming from uh, China and from Russia hmm. into the region. And so there are lots of things happening over there, which the scripture gives us indication that these things are indication that the advent of Christ may be sooner than later. Yeah. And we should be excited about that. Pastor Monty's talking about uh, a prophecy in Revelation that talks about the kingdoms to the north aiding against um the war on Israel, basically yeah. Gog and Magog. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So there's always things to look forward to. Yeah, forward to. But specifically for us as believers, the thing to look forward to that just really isn't a part of the ethic of at least Western Christianity. It seems like is the idea of a bodily resurrection. Um, is the idea of participating with Christ in the, the you know in His second coming. Essentially, yeah, and, and it's a huge, huge aspect of what uh, sets up the inner person for right relationship with God. And it's a huge issue be, that we should be looking forward to, particularly those of you. Be, again, so check out First um, Corinthians chapter fifteen. But but um, those of you that that, that uh, have issues with your life right now, if you're a disciple of Christ. Listen, if you if you have physical limitations, you know, as you get older, your body gives in, or, or you have uh, you have uh, physical limitations, like you have a limb that's broken, or you have uh, something that doesn't work, like deafness, or your mood, and you can't talk at, at all, or or um, you're you're blind, and you have those types of issues. You know, you're you're not going to be stuck with that in uh when we get to heaven and that's something to look forward to if uh, those of you 
the, the there's a good part and bad point to that. Those of you that uh, think that you're beautiful, um, you you'll continue to be beautiful, but but it will not be a physical beauty as much as it is the spiritual beauty of being recreated. Those of you that are ugly, well, you just got something to look forward to. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much of that is true. Um, oh, come on. I think that I. I think that you'll be at your peak. I don't know that you're like. I don't know. No offense to Steve Buscemi, he's not exactly the most classically beautiful person. Um, but I don't know that he would look different. In, we don't know in heaven. Um, I think that it just won't matter. What I will say, that, though, yes, yes, from I agree a, with that. What I will say from a counseling standpoint is that. Um, some of the other things that we think of as part of our makeup will will be alleviated in our sanctification process, in the process of becoming how God sees us, um, which is the status that we already have. So in the process of sort of, we'll phrase it as growing into it, um, there are things that are indicated are not a factor in the second, in in the resurrection. So... Things like um, extreme anxiety and fear and depression and um, insecurities of relationship and uh, sure, your, emo- your, your, and, your emotional makeup is included in yeah in the, the uh, so it's the whole it's the whole psyche it's the it's whole, the whole person yes, right yes and and I think that um, in counseling there's there a lot of Christians. Um, they believe that Christ is victorious in their salvation, but not necessarily in their inner person. And so one of the things to look forward to that they've, they've just accepted in counseling. Oftentimes what I come across is that people have just accepted that, you know, yeah, they're not going to go to hell, but this is a part of their identity. Um, but the point being is that in, in, in a very real sense, the whole person is remade in the resurrection of the dead um, that they're now, you know, they come before the judgment seat of God. And if they're on the right side of that, then the fruit that they bear is the right fruit. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I, I, the scripture says that Christ will wipe away the tears of the people. And I think that there's, I think that that is um, something that's really important for people to understand in uh, specifically in counseling, I think that a lot of people would be relieved to know that in Christ there is actually an end to it that doesn't just end with your death, but that that end is the beginning of something else, uh, of a time where there is relief from the things that we suffer and struggle through. Uh, and so I think that I think that that reconciliation is a huge aspect of it, which can't exist. Uh, reconciliation to the standard with which God created us, which can't exist if we don't have uh, the thought process ingrained in our Christianity that there's something to be hoped for more than just sort of an end to the story. The story doesn't end with Christ's return. It begins with Christ's return. This is all a prologue. Right, and and, uh, and we've talked a lot about on on, uh, this podcast, we've talked a lot about the importance of understanding that that when you become a disciple of Christ and you uh, are baptized and you die to sin and you're alive to to as a new creation in Christ, that's the the uh, preamble, as it were, to the main event 
of the resurrection and us being created with new bodies and being uh, able to live uh, in the presence of God, uh, a new creation entirely. The, the work that we do as believers uh, in beginning to align our, our, uh, our life and our way of thinking with how God has presented what, what it should be, how we should be doing it, um, is, uh, is the work that we do uh, in anticipation of the fact that we are going to live into eternity in the presence of a holy and righteous God. And that should just get you all excited. I mean, and, and part, of, part of that then is an understanding that that, uh, that that is not only the physical. Right. It is when God created man, God created man uh, in his image. And we've talked before on this program about the fact that, that uh, being created in that image uh, has uh, has elements to it. So there is the, you know, there's the uh, relationship element. There's the emotional element of who we are. There's yeah. the creative element of who we are. All of those things. See, in, in when God created uh, man, God created mankind with with um, you know with the physical not being important. It's an aspect of who we are, but it's not important. Well, it's not first. It's not first. It's, it's important. Well, okay, yes. No, I, I'm, and that's going to be important because I'm of the book we're not, dealing with. I'm saying not important to the to the fact that that um, at the fall it was flipped. Right. And so it's not. And so physical the physical became the most important. Physical's not first. Yeah. Right. Physical's not first. So for the believer, the physical is not first. And that's why I say, you know, for 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 those people that you know you're you're ugly. Well, you know, praise God, you have something to look forward to. But but more importantly, and I think Josh, you really touch on it, the importance of understanding that it is the whole being, which uh, is God is is in uh, in the business of reconciling that we become as He is a holy and righteous people. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not altogether sure what it looks like um, because there's some indication that Christ um, there's some indication because of Christ when he returned like they were able to touch the wounds right through his right but you have you got to remember like they were able to touch the wounds of Christ but then he was also at least transmutable in some sense he like appeared out of nowhere. Right. right, he like walked or through a walked wall, through wall right. but then he also was hungry. Right. So there's, you know, and then we don't know. Is that the is that the picture of the resurrection body? I think it is the picture of the resurrection body. Um, so they were obviously able to recognize him, but then they weren't able to recognize him also right. until he right. made himself known to them. So I don't know. Does that mean that the human body is transmutable that way? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure either. But what I do know is that the Apostle Paul places an emphasis here, and because he does so, we know that it's important and something we should be looking forward to. The other thing he notes here, as he considers the uh, the the uh, church at Colossae, is that um, because the gospel came to them and they responded to it, they've been uh, bearing fruit. Right and growing as a church as they should be, and it's important to understand that as believers we have 
part of the responsibility that we have is that we are to bear fruit. And we are to, to recognize and see the work of the Holy Spirit within us as we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work within us. And as believers, that fruit should be apparent as we mature in our life in Christ. Um, you know, it's in... Uh, now I'm stuck. It's in Galatians, I think. Galatians... What are we talking fruit about? Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, or Ephesians. Yeah. So you have... This is, is... You have armor of God, and then you have the fruit of the Spirit. Right. And one's in Galatians, and one's in Ephesians. I, is it Galatians, five and six? Yeah, Galatians 5, I yeah. think, is, is fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy... I know what they are. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, self-control... I think yeah. you're missing you're missing some i'm missing one there's nine and when we talk about them uh, well it's not accurate to say there's nine fruit of the spirit there's nine attributes of the fruit of the spirit um but yeah it's galatians 5 okay good so i was right so so we should be and then it's ephesians 6 if you want the right. armor of god so we should be demonstrating that we should see the fruit of the spirit in our lives as believers, we should be seeing the Spirit manifesting change in how we approach uh, the world around us and how we view things and how we do things and how we approach and how we think about things. Remember the Apostle Paul in chapter 12 of, uh, of Romans talks about the fact that, you know, we are not to be conformed to the world around us, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are to begin to understand the world around us through the word of God and not how man would perceive it. Yeah, I, I think Paul's emphasis here with fruit, because he uses it twice in this opening section. In the first one he's talking about, in verse 6, he's talking about how the gospel is what bears fruit. And then later on, he and he says it's like increasing, like the fruit is increasing, people are understanding it. And then later on, he talks about, let's see, where is that qualified uh, in verse 10? So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. Right. Um, and I think it's important to note that it's the same fruit. Um, people, I don't think people have enough of an of um, of a theology around um like the bearing of fruit essentially but there's a lot there um one of the things that that we should note is just that there's three basic things like again we're going to talk about end times here um but there's three basic ways of judgment in the in the um end times theology in the apocalyptic literature and so you've got like the the vine and the branches Right. Uh, which is where we get into the bearing of fruit. And then you have the wheat and the tares, and then you have the goats and the sheep. And w the fruit is an interesting one. Um, the sheep is also interesting. The But the reason why is because the idea is that we were a specific thing. We were unable to bear fruit before. We were dead, right? And now we can bear fruit, and we need to bear fruit. The bearing of fruit doesn't make us the the. Let's say if if you're an apple tree, the bearing of <clears throat> apples doesn't make us an apple tree. 
but it does show that we are alive and therefore viable as an apple tree. <laughs> and I think that that's really important because there's, and maybe I'm getting into too much high theology here, but there's an understanding here that like, um, like a pear tree doesn't create apples uh, or a dead branch doesn't make a live branch or a sheep doesn't become a goat. Um, so like basically what Paul is saying is you have a responsibility to, if you really are this thing, which you get by being saved, if all of a sudden you are now changed and you are being transformed and you're becoming an apple tree, then yes, you are an apple tree. Like you are fully saved. Right. But you need to bear fruit. And the bearing of the fruit is the demonstration of the fact that you are saved. Right. And if you go into the book of John, in the book of John, when Jesus is talking, Jesus is talking about the fact that those, those branches that fail to bear fruit will be cut off. Now, a lot of people don't like that. Yeah. They don't like that. They don't like the idea of that. But Scripture is very clear that as believers, there is a product which naturally comes about because of our proximity to God and our relationship with Him. Right. And there needs to bear fruit because of that. And if, you, if you're not bearing fruit, if you claim to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you're a disciple of Christ and you've gone through, like we've talked about, this process where you are solidifying your discipleship and you're involved in that, there will be fruit which will be present uh, confirming that that is the case. Well, and it's an important thing coming out of the of the Jewish ethic of living because the way that it's stated here is bearing fruit in every good work. Right. Right? A lot of people mistake the fruit for the good work. Right. But that's not... They interchange them. That's not the issue here. The fruit that you bear, so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control... The fruit that you bear is in the good work. Right. Because people can do good work without it being without. the actual fruit. Right. And this is the thing that uh, people don't really understand. When you when you hear people's eschatology, right, and they say, and you ask, is this person going to hell? A person says, no, nah, they're not going to hell. They're, they do good things. Right? But the good things is not the bearing of the fruit. Right. And we're going to, um, time-wise, we're going to end this section today. Sure. We're going to pick it up next week and continue this discussion because there's so much meat here. But the uh, we're going to end this discussion with the understanding that the the fruit of the Spirit is exactly that. It is the, it is the uh, not the fruits. Sometimes you will hear believers say, the fruits of the Spirit. No, 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 no. It is the fruit of the Spirit because what? It, because it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is the source. And that's what I was saying earlier. There's yes. nine things. It's really one thing yeah. described nine different ways. It's kind of like, you know, that apple is tasty and juicy and crisp and like, you know, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's loving and joyful and patient, you know. Right. So as a believer, as a disciple of Christ, you need to be in the process of working towards that. So a couple things we can just end this discussion with is um, 
we would encourage you to go to uh, Galatians chapter 5 and read through the fruit of the Spirit and in Paul's discussion in that. And we would also encourage you to look forward to, um, to heaven. Look forward to uh, you being a new creation living in the very presence of a living God. Yeah, and I'd admonish you and and challenge you. I think that uh, Pastor Monty hits it on the head when he says that, you know, people, basically, like, people are sort of, like, they look at you sideways when you start talking about what's to come. But um, I would admonish you that if you don't have a strong eschatology or you don't have a strong understanding of what's to come, then you are missing something that is important to the growth of your faith. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that you're not a believer, but it's to say that you could be that much more in your relationship with God when you understand what's to come. Mm -hmm. um, it is so much more fulfilling to know what's on the other side of the horizon yeah. so, because it's a sure thing. That's the, if it was arbitrary and we didn't know that that was the case, then, then that could be different, but it's a sure thing. Yeah. And that's exciting. Okay. We're going to end this portion here today and we'll pick it up again next week. And we're going to uh, uh, transition into now our discussion of relationships. So last week we closed out our discussion uh, in, in, in the relationship that exists between a parent and child, child and parent. And I hope that was, that was helpful, helpful for some. We're going to begin... A discussion, which will probably take us through the end of uh, this season, mm -hmm. um, discussing the relationship, primary relationship that is revealed in Scripture and uh, plagues us throughout our lives, uh, the relationship uh, between spouses. Mm. I thought you were going to say mother-in-laws. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, that's... I know that's the yeah, cliche. Yeah, that's, uh, that's coming up a little bit later. After we deal with spouses, we'll deal with in-laws. Right. Uh, but, so uh, maybe not this season. Who yeah, knows? not this season. Next season. Something to look forward to next season. But we're going to talk uh, a little bit about um, the relationships that exist between husband and wife. And um, But we're, good. we're not rehashing. Just to be clear, guys, we're not rehashing the battle of the sexes or whatever that we did last year. No, no, we're not. We're not doing that. But we will at least uh, today just establish, maybe in a summary fashion, some of the things that we have talked about, so that we have a, a foundation to work off of. Okay. For people who may have joined us, okay, and weren't privy to that discussion. <laughs> now you can be. I know. I feel I know, like I we know. just talked and talked and talked I about. I know. It. I know. But you can be privy to that by going back. And watching our previous episodes. Ah, there you go. We have multiple episodes from several years, and there's just a, a vast amount of material that uh, you can go back and we can cover in that section. That being said, uh, we do want to just establish some foundational types of understandings in regard to the relationship that exists between husband and wife and it is a primary relationship it is it is uh, designed by god to be a primary relationship because it is through that process whereby the the uh, the species is is continued and whereby the uh 
the social norms and mores and understandings of how uh, society is to operate goes all the way back to the foundation of what takes place between a husband and a wife. Okay. So the first, I think the first thing that we could just uh, summarize and, and remember is that when God created uh, mankind, uh, God created man first. Yep. And then woman was created after that. Yeah, although it is important to note. <laughs> I'm teasing. It, well, it's true. It is true. But it, it is important to note in the creation narrative that before it, before it dives into the order of creation, it, which is talked about, Paul talks about it quite a bit, actually, and talks about submission. Um, it is important to note in Genesis, before it does that, it gives a, another aspect of the creation account and says that he made men, and this is in general terms, right? This isn't right. man, but men. He made men or humans in his image, both male and female. Right. So there is no inherent value difference to God. And that, and that really stems from um, a really important understanding of the um, uh, physicality, I guess, of the human race, which is that it's supposed to reflect the relationship between the father and the son. Uh, marriage is seminal, literally, to the human race because its purpose, more than anything else, is to... Uh, be a reflection of the Trinity that were made in the image of God. So yes, and we've talked about the fact that 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 ultimately the Trinity, when a husband and wife come together and they become one, the Trinity is representative of their relationship with God being joined in with their relationship with each other. Yeah, and you have a representative representation of the Trinity in that fashion. Well, and it's the marriage of the of the two laws, right? Or yes. Christ is asked, "What's the most important thing?" And he says, "Loving God with that, with everything wholeheartedly, and then loving man tenderheartedly." Right? Right. It's you put those together, and that's what marriage is supposed to be. Right. So, so first and foremost, the foundational premise is to understand that when God created man, God created man specifically um, in, in a specific fashion. And when he created woman, he created woman as a helpmeet to man. And so the, the mechanisms that, that and how they understand the world are different than the mechanisms that women have and how they see and understand the world. Yeah, it's just a physiological... It's phys, well. It's not just. Well, John, it's not just physiological. But it is. It's demonstrated in our physiology, and then the scripture speaks to why that is. Yes. So, so, and in, in you would ask yourself, well, if that's that's foundational, Pastor Monday, I guess that's that's we'll accept that that's true, but not everybody currently believes that. In fact, that is what is under assault today. Is yeah. the is the the fact that that uh, gender and that men and women are really all the same, and you can be a woman or a man, however you want to recognize. And there's no well, it's because gender in, gender in Western culture now is separated from biology, right? But biologically speaking, XX and XY are 
tacitly different from each other. Oh my goodness, yes. And and studies have been shown that 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 in fact the the physiological studies, you know, show a mass difference. So that's one of the reasons why, for example, you have this discussion going on of individuals that have transgendered uh, male to want to be females and then and try to comp- uh, compete against females in sports and how they just hands down, uh, you know, just win dominate. every dominate and win every competition. And anybody who is an athlete uh, and understands the physiology of men and women uh, understand that to be the case. And that's why recently um, when, uh, when um, Bruce Jenner, who is now... Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, when he was asked about this, I mean, some people were upset with him for his response, but he hands down categorically said, no, that's wrong. Interesting. You cannot have... Um, people who are transgendered men competing against women. It's just wrong because physiologically it's wrong. Yeah, he and he's a, I mean, um, he was like an amazing athlete. Yeah, yeah. And an actor, right? Wasn't no, he on Chips? No, I don't know about that. I think he was. No, you really... <laughs> I'm going to look that up. Okay, I wasn't that big of a fan of Chips. So, the, so foundationally what we're saying is, is that when God created man, God created man specifically uh, with some very specific attributes. Now, not only, but see, not only physical. So we've just talked about and mentioned the physical, but not only physically. Also, emotionally, men are emotionally different than women. Men are are yep. uh, are chips are geared. You were right. Good for you, Officer Steve McLeish. Oh, seven episodes. There you go. <laughs> um, the only one I can remember is Eric Estrada. Right. Right. He was the main guy on chips. Anyway. Okay. So so men are are um, men are different than women in in their emotional makeup. And emotionally, men view things just differently. And in, in uh, when we talk about, when we go back and we talk about creation in specific, one of the things we talked about is that when God created men, God created men in need of a helpmeet. And part of that, my understanding from Scripture and my view of having been married for 42 plus years is, is that... Um, my my wife uh, fills in my blind spots. Sure. And emotionally, but we're not. So uh, I want to be clear here. We're not talking about basic companionship. No. What what we're talking about specifically is that God created males and females differently so that they could fill in those blind spots. Yes. Not just not just the blind spots, but the the holes. Um, and so <laughs> producer Jasmine is shaking her head at me. Um, no, but like in every facet, whether physically, emotionally, all of those things, that is not to say that men and women can't operate, um, not physiologically, but, um, emotionally on those levels. It's just to say, we're not inclined that way. Right. Like men are not inclined to use both sides of their brain. I don't even know if they can. Um, at the same time, for you instance. can you can train yourself to do that, but it, it takes some training. Yeah, there's there's an inclination to like women have an inclination, generally speaking, to tend and befriend, where men 
generally speaking, have an inclination to fight or flight. It just so when you put these two of the species together, it creates sort of a whole organism of uh, of complete complete humanity essentially. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the reason why, for example, when we talk in a in a premarital counseling setting, one of the things that we talk about is the fact that that um, the importance of of understanding the marriage relationship falls back on the idea that a man as an individual has worked towards and developed himself to the point that um, he is functioning this is obviously ideal but he is he is functioning ideally at at his at the top of his game and when he looks for a spouse he is also needs to look for a spouse that is functioning at the top of her game and then as the two come together as husband and wife then the the task becomes for them to blend together he and her to become one so that they together function at the top of their game. And as they function at the top of the game, what, what happens? Well, they have children. And then their responsibility as parents are to, is to impart that to help their children work towards being able to function in society in a successful manner. That's, that's, the, that's the ideal picture that one would paint. Now, where, where it breaks down is that, is that people get married for... People get married for... My recognition is they get married for about 10 or 12 different reasons, and most of the time they're not healthy, good reasons. Um, but but um, So then when you have a husband and wife that come together that are not at the top of their game and have not worked through who they are as individuals before God, who they are as individuals uh, in, in their emotional being, uh, the issues that they bring from uh, relationships with their parents that, that may or may not have been healthy. All of those things come together in a relationship. Communication between a husband and wife then can become very, very strained. I think it definitely complicates it why people get married. Um but I don't know that it necessarily matters much. Yeah. Like, when I think about it, it's like... Well, for the drama, it definitely matters. <laughs> well, that's true. But when I think about it in terms of, like, marriage counseling, it's like, it doesn't really even factor um, why. It's generally the what, you know? Like, what makes a marriage relationship work is not being soulmates. I don't even believe in soulmates. Um, but what makes a marriage relationship work is not being soulmates and it's not coming together because you are financially compatible, sexually compatible, you're lonely, any of those things. It's also not what necessarily kills a marriage either. What makes a marriage work and what what subsequently will kill a marriage is when a person doesn't understand that once they've gotten into the marriage – they have a covenant relationship before God and they must fulfill it. Right. And that's right. it. I mean, that's basically it because like people change, you know, and the like 
like my wife and I, mostly my wife, but um, my wife and I, because I'm six years older than her, and that was substantial when we were younger, you know, but my wife and I have changed drastically as people in that course of the six years. Sure, I would hope so. Or not course of six years, in the course of 15 years together. 15, right, right. Um, we've changed drastically, but the covenant has not changed. And so it's... So the so the reasons for being together, I think, um, maybe some of the reasons that we wanted to be together before, are not as important as to us now as people, um, and um, there are maybe even better reasons for being together now um, that we couldn't have foreseen then. Uh, but it's the covenant. It's the idea that reg- like I'm 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 in it to win it with this person. I'm ride or die. Like you know, regardless of the changes that they go through and so on and so forth. Like, this is the person that I am covenanted with. I've locked myself. I've shackled myself. Well, you should be participating in those changes. Yeah, but but I don't know. that. Yes, you should. I don't know how ultimately necessary that is even. Um, Like, as you get older and, like, more infirm and so on and so forth, uh, I think that it's completely fine to have that person be the person that informs, but necessarily isn't necessarily the person where mechanism or application is, you know, Mm. like, like that person's like, if I have to take on a caretaker, right? Like that person who's taking care of me, you know, um, you know, who's like making sure that I'm fed or bathed or things like that when I can't take care of myself and my wife is too old to do the same, that doesn't make that person now my wife. No, 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 I, I understand that. I agree, I agree with what you're saying there. I do wish to, I do take issue, though. I, I do wish to point out that whether you realize it or not, you you and, uh, and Michelle have been soulmates because you've driven around for the last... Oh, my gosh. ...seven years in a, in Kia, a, Kia, Soul in a Kia Soul as mates. Like little gerbils? yeah. And, Terrible. And now you're celebrating life because you're driving around in a carnival. A brand new 2022 <laughs> Kia Carnival. <laughs> LX with seat package. Um, <clears throat> yeah. No, yeah. that's not. <laughs> no, not by any. Okay. No. So foundationally, the point of that discussion is to point out that that foundationally we understand that, that God in his design created men. Uh, different than and created women different than men, and when we come together in the marriage relationship, the the relationship, uh, if that is not recognized up front, if it's not recognized first of all that we are created by God, we are created for a purpose by God, and and we are created in, uh, and and when we come together as husband and wife, there is a uh, as Josh said, there's a covenant relationship to bring those two together before God so that we might, uh, be, as it were, cliche-wise, be all that we can be uh, in okay. Jesus Christ. And, and he then, and so the opportunity is then presented to us to grow in that, but there is also lots of opportunity for misunderstanding. Well, and I think that that's straight out the gate what happens if you look in the sin narrative in Genesis 3, I mean, God predicts it. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's predicting it, like prophesying, 
or if he's stating the change that's yeah, there. Yeah, he's, not, um, he's recognizing that this will now be a consequence of that change. Right. But he says specifically that women will want to subdue the man. Mm-hmm. Um, will And so we see that right out the gate once sin enters the world. The other thing that we see, it's not really talked about, is man wants to blame his wife. Mm-hmm. And in blaming his wife, is willing to blame God. Yes. And that happens also. And I think that that's a real reflection of the main struggle in the marriage relationship that at least I've come across in counseling is that uh, oftentimes you have the woman who is trying to usurp the uh, responsibility of the man. And when I say that, I'm not saying necessarily that a woman um, even wants to take the control of her husband. But she's willing to sort of relegate, I'm generalizing here, but this is my counseling experience, she's willing to relegate her husband um, as if he's a child uh, to this position of like, you know, you're not worthwhile in this relationship to lead. You're not capable of leading. I have to make the choices. Somebody has to be the adult in the relationship. And when that happens, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because um, men are lazy (laughs) And so then the man's like, oh, fine. Well, if that's how you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And then she's like, oh, see, you really aren't whatever. And so it's this vicious fat bastard. I eat because I'm fat and I'm fat because I eat, you know, Ouroboros cycle sort of thing going on. And uh, and then on the other side, you have the the men who are like, you know, I don't even take responsibility for this. God, you're you gave her to me. Yeah, and it becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah, the in in and so then that accounts for the the drama that then can become as the relationship devo- de, 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 just falls apart. Um, and the my experience and probably Josh's as well is that the two largest factors to um, marriages being unsuccessful is the issue of communication and finances. We're going to be looking at the issue of communication and relationship as we now begin our our more in-depth discussion uh, of the relationship that exists between husband and wife. Yeah, communication. I don't know if finances anymore. I don't know if that's what it is. I would say probably like sex. Um, And when I say sex, I mean everything that this generation... uh, views it so sex and identity i guess like the identity politics of like um sort yeah, of yeah i know that this generation has got has got uh, no shame sort of the eat pray love i mean they do this com- they they're showing this commercial where you know on the commercial there's like the 90 day whatever and anyway this this woman is saying to the guy you know i'm just not happy with our sex we need to mix it up yeah, and the guy's giving a look like, what? What are you talking about? But like, there's no shame. Yeah. So they, I would, they discuss I, things on TV today that I look at Rose and go, wow, "Well, I, I've been no seeing, shame. I've been seeing a lot more. Um, I've been seeing a lot more open relationships, polyamory, um, uh, gender swapping." Uh, trading like all sort like just all sorts Weird of stuff, yeah. all sorts yeah. of different things, and people um, divorcing because they didn't feel fulfilled in their sexuality. So I f- I I feel like that's the new thing 
Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think money is as much an issue anymore. You, but you could be right. Yeah, because we have the because culture around us is constantly evolving. Yeah. So you could that that could that could be very well. But true. communication, communication for sure is always going to be an issue and that's you know that's the sitcom sort of thing where it's like you know if people would just communicate with each other like this would not happen for 30 minutes yeah exactly so we're gonna leave it at that point today and uh, we're not gonna do a what's up with that section because you know i really poured over Lots of different websites and what have you, and I couldn't come up with anything. And all you could find was animals. Worth our while. Yeah, a lot of animals. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm not, yeah. So that being said. Season five, in. we're going to, season five, we're going to come back and it's not going to be what's up with that anymore. It's going to be like Pastor Monty's animal minute or something. <laughs> all right. Well, let's close our time together with that. And um, Josh is going to, Talk a little bit about uh, those meaningful things that we close up with. <laughs> okay. If you're uh, if you're someone who's seeking answers or you want to know more about your faith, if you're new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, we want to help you. So you can uh, check us out at abfpdx.org. Remember that we're always open to questions. Pastor Monty's ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice. So don't be shy. And uh, speaking of Pastor Monty and sage advice, he's going to be back on Saturday, right? Yeah. Yep, on Saturday this week uh, with Pastor Adam and a special guest, Pastor Dan, and they're going to be doing Culture Insanity this week. So you can check that out at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. on Saturday or anytime after. We're on demand, obviously, um, here on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, you can check out the Vigilance Radio Network. Our We have a bunch of shows available um, that you can check out right now. And uh, it's a part of ABF's Project Vigilance, which is the web portal that Alethea Bible Fellowship in Portland maintains so that you can have helpful resources for the church, local and at large. If you want to be a part of supporting that, you can do that, um, first of all, by watching, subscribing, liking, smashing that, that notification bell, um, and doing you know one second of work to help us get our programming out there. We have all sorts of things um, Obviously, Culture Insanity. We have The Bible with Pastor Adam. We have, uh, I'm doing a Heart Scribe uh, uh, Bible study uh, verse by verse through the book of James. And incidentally, this week, we have the very last episode of season two's Nightlight Radio. And we're going to be talking about deconstruction, um, which is people falling away from their faith and uh, how that affects people in the, in the psyche. So um, that's going to be at 9.30 this week on Thursday night. 9.30 p.m. this week, Thursday night, Nightlight Radio, talking about deconstruction. If you have a story you want to share or ask questions about that and um, how that's affecting things, we're going to be doing that. So the very last episode of Season 2, Nightlight Radio. Uh, if you've enjoyed Truth Time, uh, remember to support us, like we said. And uh, you can also donate to us. That would be helpful. Uh, we don't make any money here. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're doing our best. And so if you want to help us out, that would be really helpful. Uh, okay. So take a second to visit the group page so you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. We have about four episodes left of season four. That means uh, next year we're hitting the big five. That's true. 
Interesting. All right. Uh, so we have about four episodes left. We're planning on ending mid... Mid-June. Mid-June. June June the 15th. June 15th. There you go. But until then, remember that our content is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. So we'll see you next week, 11 a.m. I'm Pastor Josh, your senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the lay faith.